Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, boy, it's good to see everybody. We're going to be in the book of Numbers today, but don't be scared. We're not going to just read a bunch of names and how many of this tribe and how many of that. We're actually looking at a pretty awesome story because we are going to be discussing our faith in this world today. And a lot of times, instead of receiving blessing, you and I fall into the trap of what I call stressing. We allow things that come against us to cause stress when it's actually right there for us to receive blessing. And we're going to talk about that. But let's look at Numbers. Everybody turn to chapter 13. Numbers 13. I'm going to start in verse 25, and we're going to end in 14.10. And we're, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of finishing a story that was started. And this is the report of the spies, and I'll give you some background in a sec. Verse 25, and we're in Numbers 13. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. That means it's a very good, very good piece of property, folks. And this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites, dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, they dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites, well, they dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Well, then the men of, uh, excuse me, then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy, is, uh, <coughs> spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Look at chapter 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we have died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword, our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation and the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. 
Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And we're going to stop there. That's our story. That's our story for today. So we're going to have to keep looking back to that to truly understand what God has for us. See, God increases our faith. Let me go ahead and clear that. God increases our faith, and He does this in many ways so that we will grow in faith, okay? We are to grow in what He has given us. So how does He do this? Well, we are built up by prayer, by the study of the Word, encouragement from others, right? And also through testing. God increases our faith. However, there are times when we fall prey to obstacles and fear, we do. It stops us dead in our tracks sometimes. We allow fear, we allow difficulties to leave us stressed than rather lean on God in faith and be blessed. See, God's power has no fear. God's power has no hurdles. So when we experience hardships and when we are afraid of what we are facing, we only need one thing. Church family, what is the one thing required of a believer when he or she is tested? It is faith. It is putting your trust in God. And I know that sounds simple. Check. We're done. Let's leave and go have lunch. No. There's so much more to understanding our faith and putting our trust in God. Now, the story today illustrates for us obstacles, and the fear created by them. The fear wasn't there until the obstacles, but it was created by them, and it caused such stress, right? It impacted each person. It impacted the nation, and they left no room for blessing. So, I'm going to review this story for you. We find in Deuteronomy that the people actually approached Moses first and asked him, can we spy on the land? Can we check out the land's inhabitants? We want to know a little bit more about this place before we enter it. So they approached Moses. God blessed this request, and Moses too supported it. So Moses chose from each tribe one man, a chief among each tribe. And we find in Numbers 13, Scripture names the particular man of the particular tribe. We have accurate information here. Also in Numbers 13, uh, we see Moses give the 12 men their instructions. And here they are. Moses wanted to know, hey, what is this land all about? He wanted to know, you know, are the people there, do they, are they strong or are they weak? Uh, are they few or are they many? Um, I would also like to know, uh, are the cities, are they camps? Are they like strongholds? Are they fortified? Um, let's see, are the, is the land rich? Is it poor? Is it fertile? Right? Are there trees in it? Building later, right? For building. Are there trees in it? These are questions Moses wanted to know. And he also said, I want you to bring back some of the fruit of the land. I want to see just what this fruit, what it, this land is producing. So bring back some of the fruit. So they traveled where they were told. They observed what they were instructed to observe. And they, of course, brought back evidence, literal fruit, of just how rich and fertile this land was a land flowing with milk and honey. 
that symbolized the richness of this land. And after 40 days, after 40 days, they returned to give their report, which is what you and I just read in verses 1325 through 1410. There's our report, okay? Now, in Exodus 3.17, Exodus 3.17 says this, And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I want to talk about my first point here. My first point is this. God is true to His promises and His Word. A lot of times we forget that God is true to His promises and His Word because we don't cling to His promises or we don't search for His Word, this, this, this encouragement. We don't look for it. But God is true. And we just saw that in Exodus. See, God promised Moses as He spoke to him through a burning bush, okay, that the land would be just as He said it would be. Okay? Even if I go back hundreds of years, if I go back to Abraham, God stated this earlier in Genesis 15. And he also said uh, when he made this covenant with Abraham, even then the land was exactly as he said it would be. See, God is true to his word. The land was promised, and that's why we call it the promised land. So it was being given to them. It was being given to them. Um, God's, it was God's purpose. It was his plan. But the problem was human ability and human philosophy took precedence over God's Word. Why did this happen? It's one simple word that plagues us all. Fear. Why did this happen? Fear. So, Proverbs 3.5, we all know this verse. It's a simple verse. But do we hold on to this? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding standing. See, when we lean on our own understanding and when our ability becomes the extent of our power, then yes, the things we have to face will create fear and result in the stress that hurts us all. And if you don't know this, stress hurts you emotionally, mentally, and physically. This is what fear does. But there's a verse in Colossians, Colossians 2, Six through nine. Someone wants to answer that. Colossians 2, six through nine says this. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, and see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This is an important verse for us. I wanted to include Colossians, these verses from chapter 2, because as we have received Christ, we are called to certain things in receiving Him. And I love it. I love what it says here. It says to be rooted, to walk, to be built, to be established. That is the pursuit of Christ. That should be all of our pursuits. Now, let me go on here. 
We are to walk. We are to be rooted in. We are to be built up. We are to be established in the faith. Why do we need to walk, be rooted, be built up, and established in the faith? Because we have received Jesus Christ. Therefore, and I know this is going to sound elementary and simple, therefore we live according to Jesus Christ. But there lies the rub. Because sometimes, maybe a lot of times, we do not live according to Jesus Christ. And to live according to Him is to be established in the faith. Now, we are not to be taken captive. I have been taken captive many, many times. I bet you have too. We are not to be taken captive by human philosophy and deceit. And this according to human tradition and the elemental spirits. I'm not talking about traditions that you have in the church or you do with your family. We're not talking about that, okay? We're talking about both human tradition and elemental spirits that would promote worldly beliefs, passing off false ideas, heretical teachings, things like that, or false doctrine, passing these things off as truth. And we know our world today loves to pass the false off as truth. In fact, Satan is the author of that. So the receiving of Jesus, Colossians said, as you receive Jesus, the receiving of Him sets us free from this kind of captivity. Human philosophy and deceit will tell you that there has got to be another way. But we know that Jesus is our only way. Human philosophy and deceit will tell you that, you know what, there's got to be another truth. But we know that Jesus is our only truth. And of course, He is our only life. That's why we live according to Jesus Christ. Now, these spies were taken captive by the power of their limitations, by their human thinking, by their human reasoning. Right, Their ways and ideas about the situation at hand took precedent over God's unlimited power and the promises that He was making to them. It took precedent. It won. Fear set in, and the stress of the people grew stronger and stronger. They were a people who became overcome with fear. Why? Because they were leaning on their own understanding, and they did not look to the promises of God in faith. One of my favorite examples of what faith looks like is Abraham. And Paul, I like the way Paul explains it in Romans and this is, this is Abraham uh, believing God's promises in faith. Romans 4, 18 through 21. <clears throat> Excuse me. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was good, as good as dead since he was about 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced, get ready for this, that God was able to do what he had promised. God is true to his promises. There's our first point right there. Second point. God empowers us to overcome fear and obstacles. Therefore, He is calling us to become overcomers. You know, the African impala, beautiful animal. 
it can jump to a height of over 10 feet, and it can clear a distance over 30 feet. Now, that's a jump, folks. Over 10, a distance of 30. But did you know that these magnificent creatures who can jump, like, just, just unheard of, they can be kept in any enclosure, in any zoo, just by a three-foot wall. A three-foot wall. The animals will not jump if they cannot see where they're going to land. If they cannot see where their feet will fall, a three-foot enclosure can keep an African impala in tra- trapped. They won't jump. And I thought that was amazing because faith is the ability, right, to trust what we cannot see. And with faith... We are freed from the flimsy enclosures of life, right, that fear only allows us to be entrapped by. We, too, find ourselves behind three-foot walls all the time because we are afraid. We don't know where our feet are going to land, the unknown. So 10, excuse me, 10 out of the 12 spies focused on the problems that they saw rather than the possibilities. We do that too. The nation had already been in the wilderness for two years. Let's go ahead and do our math. The nation had been in the wilderness for two years. After this, they would be in the wilderness for another 38, totaling 40 years in the wilderness. Okay? The obstacles that they witnessed the first time would be the same obstacles they'd have to face 38 years later. God was not removing the obstacles, He was not reducing the obstacles. They would face these again upon their return 38 years later. But i got to tell you, in my studies, and this this got me, in my studies, I found verses 30 and 31 to be just, just to dominate my thinking. I want to share this with you. Uh, These are what stuck out at me. Joshua and Caleb against the other ten. It was two against ten. Caleb stated that we are well able, in verse 30. You'll see that in your Bibles right there. That we are well able. And in verse 31, the other ten stated that we are not able. And there it is. Well able against we are not able. It's the glasses half empty, half full scenario. So they were not able under their own ability, right? They were not able under their own ability to accomplish this task. This is true. I give that to them. This is true. But it was not about their ability. That's the issue. It was not about their ability. God had already said that He was giving them the land. It was theirs for the taking. He would go before them and give it to them. So now what do they do? They make the report bad, meaning they falsified the report. They, they, they took it to the next level, if you will, very much like a fisherman does with that fish that he caught. You know what I'm talking about. Let's exaggerate this just a little bit. They made the report bad so that they could control and influence the people, hoping that they would not desire, have no desire, folks, to enter this promised land because fear had entered their hearts and overcome them. The people instead... They listened to these eyewitness accounts and became afraid of the unknown. They became afraid after hearing about the size and strength of these seasoned warriors. 
just like the Impala who is scared to jump a three-foot wall because of what may lie on the other side, the nation of Israel is afraid to move forward. Fear became their three-foot wall, if you want to look at it that way. You know what they forgot? This is what gets me. They had forgotten what God had done. Their freedom from captivity. Freedom from Egyptian slavery. How Pharaoh was dealt with. Right? The event at the Red Sea. How he provided food for them. How he provided water for them. Right? How he led them and met Moses at the tent of, the me- uh, tent of meeting. God was there. He was the reason they were freed from this slavery. How could you forget this? It had only been two years. And the same God is telling you, I'm giving you this land. And they're like, no, I don't think you're strong enough because we're not going to lean on you. We're going to lean on our own abilities and our own thinking. The very same God that set them free from Egyptian slavery is the same God that wanted to bring them into the promised land. See, you know what? We can become scared like this too, though. I can't put, I can't say that I would have done something different. We can become scared. We can easily look at what we are facing and say that we are not able. I am not able. I bet you've said that. So, how do we deal with this? Does this even resonate with any of you? Does does this resonate? Like, do your thoughts and fears, can they take you captive? You know, I'm willing to, to bet here that we've all experienced what it's like to be taken captive by fear at least once. We've have, we have to, to, to acknowledge that. But the unknown, that's what gets us. The giant or these giants that we face, these are the things that get us, right? Caleb said that we are able to overcome it. Now, he knew that they would overcome these obstacles along with Joshua. Uh, Joshua. And, and look at verses 14, 8, and 9, everybody. Look at verses 14, 8, and 9. This is what they said to him. Israel, do not rebel. Do not fear. They are bread for us. They are food. They are our, our prey, right? Do not fear. Their protection is removed. The Lord is with us. This is Caleb and Joshua trying to pump the nation of Israel up and say, listen, this is ours for the taking. We saw what he did. We see what he's about to give us. But the ten, again, made a bad report. So these men were overcome with faith, Joshua and Caleb. They were overcome with faith. And they believed that God was going to exactly uh, do exactly what he said he would do. Just like Abraham believed that God was going to do exactly what he was going to do. So we have this wonderful God who's empowering us to overcome this fear. But can we do it? Can we overcome fear? Are we trusting in the promises of God? Do we realize we are able because He is able? Who is it that can overcome these things? Who is it that overcomes stress and the anxiety and this fear? I love it. 1 John 5, 5. 1 John 5, 5 says this, Who is, that, uh, is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So who is it that overcomes? The one who believes. I go back to Colossians 2. You don't need to go there, team. Colossians 2 said, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, as you received Him, walk in Him, be rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Right? 
And, and look at this, 1 John 4.4. 4. You probably know this. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them for He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Okay, I want to summarize this because this is powerful. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We've received this Jesus who is the Son of God being built up and rooted and established. We are from God, so we're able to be overcomers because He who is in us is greater than He who is in the world. What a formula! Can we remember that formula when we face obstacles that create fear and bring us into stressful, stressful living? You know what's funny to me? And this is just a little nugget for you. Later Joshua, this is years later when they returned the second time, Later, Joshua would send two spies to check out the city of Jericho. And these two spies ended up in the house of a woman named Rahab, who informed them, <clears throat> informed them that she already knew that God was going to be giving them the land. She informed them that. In fact, she said, you know what? The people of Jericho, we're afraid of you. She even repeated what the Lord had done for them in Egypt in the Red Sea. I've got to read this verse. Joshua 2.11. Joshua 2.11, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. What? They were afraid of the nation of Israel. Rahab herself was acknowledging their God. Israel's God. She even recalled the events that they decided to forget about. That's how powerful our God is. He put the fear and melted their hearts. It was theirs. It was promised. But again, human philosophy, human deceit, it took root. It took root. Back to our story. So, for today here, the nation, the nation of Israel, was provided every reason to trust God. He was giving them the land. He was placing them where He wanted them. Folks, it was His initiative. It was His action. It was his provision. However, guess what? No, they did not choose to believe this. They were intimidated. And it was a very intimidating situation. I will walk in your shoes, nation of Israel. Yes, I would be intimidated as well. But God does not leave us, nor does he ever forsake us when we are afraid or intimidated due to the situations and circumstances in which we find ourselves. And they lost sight of this. So the first point, God is true to His Word and His promises. The second, God empowers us to be overcomers, especially in our fear. My third point, my last point here is the Lord is faithful never to leave or forsake us. We just talked about that. You know, Moses had told the people not to be in dread or to be afraid. He told them not to be. Deuteronomy 1.30. Deuteronomy 1.30. The Lord your God who goes before you he will himself will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. I love that last part. Look at those last three words. Before your eyes. You saw what I did. Why are you not trusting in me now? You know, years later, Moses told Joshua in sight of all of Israel, uh, before he led the nation into the promised land, when they took it, he said this. This is from Deuteronomy 31, 7 and 8. 
Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers. You remember this? This has been theirs for the taking all along, that has been sworn uh, to their fathers to give them. And you shall put them in possession of it. If the Lord who goes before you, right? It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now that is a powerful piece of Scripture right there. That is a power, that, I'm sure Joshua was, was, was pumped up. He was ready to take this land. Uh, do not fear. God's with you. He's going first. You know, one of the greatest fights a believer will ever face is the fight of faith. This is the truth. Uh, in 1 Timothy 6, we are told to fight the good fight of faith. But where is the struggle, Christians? Who are we battling? Ephesians 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Folks, Satan. Satan. A lot of people, oh, I don't think the devil's going to mess with me. I don't think he's got time for me. He's over there causing problems. Let me explain a little bit about Satan. In 1 John 5.19, it says, We know that we are from God, right? And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Satan is behind this worldly system. I'll say that till the cows come home. He is behind the worldly system. He also preys on our desires and our passions that can derail us on the flesh. Satan and his agents. Satan is at work. He is the evil one. And Satan is the one who causes fear. He is the one who causes fear. I'm not talking about just being scared, like someone jumping out around the corner and screaming boo, or you hearing footsteps outside your window late, late at night. We're not talking about that kind of fear. We are talking about fear that replaces faith. That's what happened to these people. It's a warning for us. Satan is a major force. Folks, he is a powerful, powerful fallen angel. All right? He knows God's awesome power, and he is aware of God's purposes. But know this, he couldn't care less about you or me. And I'm not talking about just being a friend or helping us out. I'm talking he could care less about devastating your life, tearing you apart, ruining you. He could care less that that's part of it. He only wants, and this is what he seeks, is to stop God's purposes. You're just in the way. He only wants to stop God's purposes. He places obstacles in our path that go beyond our abilities to combat. He wants to discourage us. He wants us to be afraid. He does not want you to exercise your faith, but instead begin to doubt. He wants us to live under stress and resist God, just like the nation of Israel did, and not entering the promised land. Satan knows that you and I cannot defeat him on our own. And that's what he wants. He wants you to separate from the herd. He wants you on your own. He wants you and I to abandon our faith in God. Folks, we need God and we need the faith that he gives us. We need it. We need to be established established in this faith. That's why we see this over and over in Scripture. I'm going to use Job as an example. Look at Job. The amount of damage and calamity that Job, uh, Job suffered in such a short time. 
when Satan was done with Job, because Job did not abandon his faith in God. So when Satan was done with all the devastation, he just left. He didn't come back and repair the damage. He didn't help Job up. He didn't say, let me fix this. He just left. And guess what else? Job could do nothing to help himself. Everything that happened, the the illnesses, everything that he lost, it was still there. Job couldn't do anything. It was God. He is the only one. Job could do nothing to restore what had done. Satan would not restore what had done. Only God could step in and restore the things that had happened to Job. He fixed it. And he gave him double what he lost. He gave him double. That's our God. Now, these things can only be resolved by our God. And we need to start listening to this now. These things can only be resolved by our God. He does not leave us, and He will not abandon us. So we must learn to walk by faith and not by sight. The nation of Israel was walking by sight and not by faith. We need to reverse that. Now, God works in us and through us to teach us how to live by faith. That's the point. That's the point. He teaches us, and He wants us to grow in the faith that He's given us, so we can live by faith. It's not just, oh yeah, I got faith. Yeah, I'm a Christian. We live by it. That's why we live according to Jesus Christ. Now, I have to ask you, what drives our fear? What, what causes the stress that we endure? Why do we resist God? It's because we face these attacks and we face these testings, if you will, through our own understanding and abilities. There is why we are stressed. We will take Satan head on, and we will lose. Not by our abilities, not by our understanding. And this is the, this is the point, and this is, this is why I want to bring Joshua and Caleb up, Caleb up again. Really listen to this. this. This is the difference between Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies. See, Joshua and Caleb believed. They had faith in God. We see that. See, the problem was never theirs to resolve in the first place. They saw themselves as willing servants participating in God's resolution of the issue. That's what Jacob and Caleb saw. Joseph, excuse me, I just lost myself. Joshua and Caleb, that's what they saw. That's how excited I am about this. They saw that they were willing participants in God's resolution of the problem. Not that they were the quick fix. Not that it was their power and ability. They went along with God. And that was the difference between these two spies and the ten. See, God's resolution of the issue. The faith they had in God's promises was much stronger than any fear they may have felt. And maybe they had a twinge of fear. That guy was big. Maybe they did. But it could not touch the strength they had in God's promises. See, they walked by faith and not by sight. You know, in James, first chapter James, two through four, James one, two through four says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now leave that verse up for a sec. See, I want my God-given faith to produce these kind of results. These are the results I want in my life. I hope you do too. 
See, I want to be like Joshua, and I want to be like Caleb in this story. What prevents you from doing what God is seeking you to do? Think about it. What prevents you from doing what God is seeking you to do? Who or what is your giant? Or who or what are your giants? You know, what are the obstacles in your life that are creating fear? The things that are creating stress? That keep you from blessing? Are you growing in faith or are you resisting God because you are choosing to rely on your understanding and on your abilities? Second Peter tells us that He has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's granted us all things. And then I'll go back to 1 John 4.4. 4. It says that He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. And Joshua and Caleb, they were... They were showing us what that looks like. They were showing us what that looks like. You know, faith produces blessing that allows us to live a life as overcomers. As we have seen today in this story, God is true to His Word and His promises. Yes. God empowers us to become overcomers. Yes. And God is true and faithful, never leaving or forsaking us. Knowing these three points... What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So church family, I close with this. You believed Him. You received Him. Now you live in Him. So we are well able to overcome because of him. So let us all fight the good fight of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to just praise you right now. We want to thank you and praise you because we know that you go before us. Father, we know that we can put our full trust in you, which is our faith, our established faith, because we believed in you. We've received you, and we are living according to you, our Lord and Savior. We are living according to you. You fight for us, Lord. Our faith is in you. You are the object of our faith. You are the object of our worship. We want to thank you, Lord, for being true to your word. We want to thank you for being the only truth that we could possibly know. There's just one truth. There's just one way. Father, we want to thank you for that. Lord, we know that you empower us, not through our power. It's your power, Lord. We are overcomers because we live in you. Father, help us remember these things, just like Israel should have remembered the events of their freedom, Father, the events at the Red Sea, how you protected and took care of them in the wilderness. Lord, let us remember the things that you do for us constantly, Father. We love you and we thank you for these things. So Father, let us, let us pursue you with all of our heart. Lord, we know that you will never leave us or forsake us, so we pray today that we do not leave you or forsake you. Help us, Father. Help us increase our faith. The disciples asked you for this as well. Father, we ask you right now, increase our faith so that we can grow in it, Lord, We want to be established in this faith. So when we face obstacles, these giants that begin to create fear in our lives, we turn to you 
the God, our Savior, who can save us from that. We are just willing participants in your resolution. Father, we thank you for this message. Lord, we thank you for the stories you give us to learn from and grow from. Lord, I thank you for this body of believers, and I just pray for each one of them, Lord, that they cling to and fight for the faith you've given us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.